Hey everybody, I'm Jeffrey London. And I'm Brittany Pierre. And this is Volume Up by The Tease. Welcome to the podcast, our social media editor, Brittany Pierre. You've met Brittany before. She did one of our interviews a couple of episodes back, but we're going to really get to know her. Brittany, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for officially greeting me on the podcast. (laughs) We're so excited to have you. Uh, We're going to do a little bit of quick takes. You've heard them. We do it with our guests. You are a guest host. Let's make this happen. So first thing, Brittany, what is a quote that you love? This one is a little bit difficult for me. So technically, I guess, be excellent to each other from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, only because I'm always scared I'm going to be on like, what would you do show? Like they're going to pop up and be like, you didn't do that one thing we were looking for. So I want to be always on point when I'm in public. We, we love that. Nice to each other. Yeah, no, we should, we should always be excellent um, with each other. Uh, what is your last Google search that you feel like sharing with us? I mean, obviously you can edit. <laughs> <laughs> um, my last Google search was there's an ABBA cover band in Chicago. And I want to see where they're performing this summer because I have to like, like go follow them everywhere. Whoa, 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 whoa. The, you're blowing my mind. What is your favorite ABBA song? Oh man, Gimme, Gimme. Gimme, Gimme. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, no shade. No, it's all good. Um, yeah, I just think, all of their catalogs, to be honest. I mean, the, they're, they're, oh, this is so good. You guys, I hope that our listeners like ABBA. And if you don't, sorry. Um, I got to say, knowing me, knowing you is like, and then the Spanish album version of that song. Oh, I've never experienced oh. this. And now I have to go research get, this after. Get into ABBA and Español. Um, <laughs> it'll, it'll blow your mind and it's the best. Um, anyway, all right. Back to the quick takes. <laughs> what is the cringiest trend that you've tried? Oof. Um, I don't really do many trends, but I do have a cringiest <laughs> like, outfit. Um, in middle okay. school, I thought I was going to be everything because I had a hot pink cowboy hat, a hot mm. pink leopard print shirt, and a hot pink skin print pants. So that's a lot of mixing patterns, but and pink patterns, and, and it was just not a good look for me. So uh, yeah. I, I, honestly, it sounds kind of dope. So <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you might be cringing, but mm, it doesn't sound too cringy to me. Yeah. Uh, okay. What I mean, we just talked about some animal prints. So uh, the next question: What animal are you most like? Not a snake or let's clear that up. <laughs> no, but it's okay. Um, I would probably compare myself to a gazelle. I've always been told I remind people of a gazelle. Just like I, I don't know why. So I'm assuming I give a gazelle aura to people it's giving it's giving <laughs> gazelle um i yeah take it whatever they're graceful um yeah. Yeah, we love it all right cool so we've talked about this a lot on the pod um and certainly it's been on the tease.com people are making shampoo and conditioner bars to respond to plastic waste oh. how do you feel about a shampoo bar i'm kind of interested and intrigued and want to do it and plus, I think like it will last a little bit longer. And I use so much conditioner. I think it would be perfect for me to pitch, like to invest in. 
Okay. All right. Well, you can report back if and when you try one. Um, I have yet to do it despite covering it extensively uh, here on the podcast and also on the .com. So, all right, cool. I feel like we've got to know Brittany better. Um, If you guys didn't know, Brittany is the one who is posting all of the things on our socials. So thank you, Brittany. Thank you for being here. Uh, And let's just get into the podcast, shall we? Uh, Look, (laughs) on last week's episode, we talked with Kaya Wright. Kaya is a multi-Emmy award-winning celebrity hairstylist and beauty authority, and she's created the industry's most sought-after hairstyles for celebrities such as Tyra Banks, Jennifer Hudson, Halle Berry, Sierra, Gabrielle Union, Taraji P. Henson, Laverne Cox, Deborah Cox. Shout out. I still can't get over. How did you get here? Um, (laughs) After working with the best companies in town, Kaya took it upon herself and took a big old leap of faith to create her own line, Muse Hair. And Kaya's Muse hairline is trusted by Hollywood's hottest celebrities and offers a collection of premium wigs, extensions, and products that provide instant beauty solutions, which we love for women all across the globe. And now her newest venture has been writing and releasing her book, From Beauty to Business, The Guaranteed Strategy to Building, Running, and Growing a Successful Beauty Business. We had her on the podcast. Make sure you go and listen to that episode if you haven't already. And if you like learning more about the industry, those who are enacting change and creating a better world, make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review to this very podcast. And then follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, all of the places that Brittany is posting. And send in questions to us at volumeupatthetees.com. On this week's episode, we are continuing our mental health campaign and starting off Mental Health Awareness Month with Suzanne Post. Suzanne is a hairstylist, salon owner, and co-founder of Share Haven. Share Haven is an initiative of YWCA, Nashville, and Middle Tennessee. Suzanne is committed to educating her community on the signs of abuse, as well as the resources available to help people experiencing abuse. Share Haven's Domestic Violence Awareness Education Program equips stylists with the knowledge and tools recognizing the signs of domestic violence, successfully navigating conversations with clients who may be in danger, passing along tools that can help them get to safety. Suzanne was integral part of working to get the Tennessee legislation passed that requires domestic violence training for all cosmetologists. Which we love. I mean, let's let's make that happen across the U.S., which is something that we talked about in the interview. But before we get there, let's talk about something that's maybe even bigger than that incredible legislation being passed, which is that evil billionaire Elon Musk went ahead and bought himself some Twitter. Uh, he bought the whole damn thing for $44 billion, which he claims to not have in cash, which is very curious. It's been you know, talked about how he doesn't necessarily pay his fair share in taxes, um, but he did pony up the dough for this platform. Uh, people are concerned that free speech is at stake. What are your thoughts as an avid Twitter user, Brittany? Let's let's talk a little bit about Elon buying Twitter. Yeah, I I don't get the connection with Elon. I don't even think he's a great Twitter user to begin with. So like the connection <sighs> is off for me, but it does make me a little bit worried because he's saying that he needs to bring free speech back. And I'm like, the platform is already free speech, <laughs> at least for marginalized people. It makes me a little bit nervous because you know, that means that's more targeted towards them and there's not going to be a lot of safety intact for them. So, Which is already a major concern of the platform, yeah. which is why it's been losing users. It just seems like this is a terrible idea. Um, it is, again, speculated that he's maybe going to do away with advertising, which like, why would you get away with the, re- like do away with the revenue stream? Like that doesn't make sense. 
courting a bunch of users that are like troll bots yeah. from like I, I just I, I'm like struggling to see the end game other than the very obvious one which is terrifying um so Elon like if you could make it clearer what you're intending to do I think that we'd all appreciate it right. um yeah in the meantime all of us sort of hang in the balance um and are people going to see our hot takes on, you know, what's happened in the world? I don't know if Elon's at the helm. Um, so, you know, real things to be scared about in addition to less real things. Yes. It does <laughs> feel like Dr. Evil from Austin Powers happening in it, real life. It is, you know, I mean, like millennials, LOL, that's, you know, us uh, have lived through a lot of unprecedented once in a lifetime things. And this is one of those things that feels very much like it shouldn't be happening within right. our lifetime. Like I just, I didn't think that billionaires needed to buy social media platform, but I mean, I guess like Zuck has his meta, like it's, it's all, I just, none of it's this sounds good. It's not, it is, needed. it's not needed too much. Uh, and again, salon pros and, and brands are going to be in the fray. So I'm curious to see, how this is all going to go down. We'll be watching on Twitter. If you guys are not following us, go to at read the tease, find us, follow all of those things. And yeah, we'll, we'll keep abreast of the situation. I guess. I don't really know, I know. what's to come. Not a safe feeling. All right. Well, other things that are happening, uh, a lot of stuff is on the tease.com and we are going to talk about some of our favorite headlines. So our editorial team has been hard at work this week, uncovering industry news, looking into trends and diving into brands that you don't know, but you should. And here are some of the things that we think that you should know about on the tease.com right now. So first up, hairstylist Anastasia Tarobova talks Coachella prep and festival hair predictions. Look, we know Coachella's a wrap both weekends in the bag, but... We talked with this hairstylist and she had lots to say about different predictions that she's got for what we're going to see play out over the summer. Um, COVID's kind of not top of mind. Um, it's certainly not going away. No. We're going to see how people are feeling, but it seems like people are generally pretty optimistic. They want to go out and experience the Lollapaloozas and governor's balls of the world. Uh, so I don't know. What did you think of this article? Do you think that any of those predictions are going to come true? Yeah, she said a lot about like the Y2K looks. And I definitely saw a lot of that on my Instagram feed of people who went to Coachella. Mm -hmm. So definitely a lot of space buns and braids <laughs> and just the whole like out of space kind of look. So she was on point with that. Yeah, no, I think that Y2K is here to stay. Um, <laughs> that look is definitely a thing. Um, and I'm actually not sick of it. I, the space buns I could maybe do without. Uh, they can be done artfully. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I'm sort of here for the like Xenon, whatever of it all. Let's yeah. like, let's do the nostalgia vibes for a little bit longer, I think. Uh, yeah, but yeah, go over to the tease.com, see all of her predictions and see if you guys agree. If you do, let us know. If you don't, let us know too. All right. Next up on the tease.com, something that we think that you guys should know about and something that Brittany knows very intimately about because she was there. The article well, a team mentee drew Faber on silent looks for the Beauty Changes Lives Experience runway show. Beauty Changes Lives Experience may have already come and gone, but we're still so incredibly inspired by all of the dazzling hairstyles that we saw hit the runway during the fundraising event. A true showcase of next-gen talent, BCL Experience's presentation saw a number of aspiring artists debut their very first runway collection with the help of incredible mentors. Among the talented artists who participated in the runway show was Wella team mentee Drew Faber, who previously spoke with us about his mentorship with the iconic brand. And we had the pleasure of catching up with Faber to discuss what it was like backstage, his biggest challenges, 
and his favorite look that the Wella team presented. So Brittany, look, we can go to the tease.com to read all about what it is that Drew has to say. And we encourage you to do that, but you were actually there on the ground at BCL. You saw this presentation. So yeah. what did you think about the experience? What did you think about the Wella team specifically? Cause we go into it on the .com. Yeah, the whole BCL experience was so much fun. Um, so many people were there. Um, they had a lot of different stations for us to like get tattoos, airbrush tattoos, get our nails done. They had um, music playing, all that fun stuff. And the Willa's team, their fashion runway was just so amazing. Actually, all of them were really great, but I was super, you know, I was a little bit loyal because we knew Drew. <laughs> it's all about Willa's team. Um, but yeah, they knocked it out of the park. Like the hair looks were just fantastic. Amazing. Ugh, yeah, I wish that I had been there, but I do feel like I got a good sense of what went down thanks to, to Camille's reporting. So again, go to the tease.com, look up BCL, and you can find this article as well as the first one that we did with Drew. Uh, and yeah, let us know what you guys think. Next up, new product alert. Title of the article is We Are Swooning Over Olivia Garden's New Blush Finger Brush Collection, which is dangerous to say several times fast. So look, if you've yet to experience Olivia Garden's award-winning finger brush, then consider now your chance to snag an extra special one for yourself. Just in time for spring, the beloved hair tools brand has reimagined their best-selling finger brush in a brand new limited edition blush color palette. Now OG fans can have their brushes outfitted in dreamy rose, coral, and hot pink. Perfect shades to welcome in the warm weather. So Brittany, you've seen them. Are you grabbing these brushes? I mean, I'm, I'm drooling over all of their <laughs> aesthetics. I'm like, I need to get my hands on them. They're so cute. I love all the colors. And I've been wanting to try Olivia Garden brushes. So this might be my chance to make that happen. This might be uh, very on trend with the color choices. We love to see it. And again, truly perfect for spring. So go to the tees.com. You can see the full colorway, different brush sizes for all sorts of different hair textures, which we love to see. And yeah, again, let us know. I'm a broken record. We want to hear. Um, do you want to see more product stories? I imagine so. Uh, look, there's a ton going on at thetees.com. We picked some of our favorite headlines, but there's a bunch of stories each and every week. Thank you to our hardworking editors. We are proud to publish stories that salon pros and consumers care about. Next up, Jeff's interview with Suzanne Post. We would like to mention before we get into its topic, there will be talk about heavy conversations relating to domestic violence. So please be aware if you have any triggers, please be mindful of listening to the next portion of our show. Suzanne Post is a hairstylist, salon owner, and co-founder of Sheer Haven. Sheer Haven is an initiative of YWCA Nashville and Middle Tennessee. Suzanne is committed to educating her community on the signs of abuse, as well as the resources available to help people experiencing abuse. Shearhaven's Domestic Violence Awareness Education Program equips stylists with the knowledge and tools to recognize the signs of abuse, successfully navigate conversations with clients who may be in danger, and pass along tools that can help them to get to safety. Suzanne was an integral part of working to get Tennessee legislation passed that requires domestic violence training for all cosmetologists, which is huge for our industry. We are thrilled that she's here on the Volume Up podcast. Welcome, Suzanne. How's it going? Hi, thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. Oh, we are, as I said, thrilled. Cannot wait to talk to you about all things that you've been up to. Uh, but first, as we often do with our guests, we want to hear a little bit about how you got to beauty because everybody comes from it from a different way uh, and our audience loves that. So if you don't mind, how did you get into hairstyling? 
Oh my goodness. I got into hairstyling as a 12 year old. Uh, yes. I went to Sally's, bought my first pair of shears for likely 1050 and started just chopping it. Anyone and everyone who would let me. I also spent a lot of time as we'll call it a hair model, although it was likely a hair guinea pig for uh. <laughs> A salon in the Twin Cities. And um, so I, I spent a lot of time around the industry at that time and fell in love with it. And my sweet mom is the one who saw this thing in my eye and said, you are passionate about this. You love it. I know you don't know that you want to do it for a living, but I think you do. And so full credit to my sweet mom who saw that, that thing in my eye. So it really is something that I've just, I've just always loved. Well, the journey from salon professional to salon owner, not necessarily something that everybody is interested in doing. So if you don't mind, could you unpack a little bit about how did you make that decision? You establish yourself professionally and then you take the leap (laughs) to going out on your own. What was that like? I did. I was really blessed with amazing examples of salon owners. I loved working as an employee in the salon, um, really didn't know that I had the dream to do that. I always thought I wanted to be an educator. Mm. I thought that I would uh, start a cosmetology school in Tennessee. I went to the Aveda Institute up in Minneapolis and Mm. uh, it was in the early nineties. And I thought this is something that we need here in Nashville. Um, We've come a long way as far as education goes, of course, industry-wide, but Mm -hmm. especially at the time in Tennessee, that was something that was really my ultimate goal. Um, I just hit that point in my career where I was ready for that personal challenge and, of course, had no idea what I was going (laughs) to do when I did But I opened a salon in 2004 Mm -hmm. and had a child in 2005 and so had kind of first born and second born back to back and um it's been a wild ride at times but i'm that's kind of how i got from point a to point b oh we love that uh and so relatable i mean people (laughs) sort of stumble into salon ownership at times. Um, And, you know, maybe they weren't ready. Maybe they were. Uh, It takes all kinds. Where is your salon? Let's plug it. Let's make sure that people know how they could find you if they find themselves in Nashville. Oh, well, Shine Salon is in Green Hills in Nashville, Tennessee. It's right in between all, it's in the middle of all the shopping. So it's the dream of all the things. Yes. Amazing. Well, we will be sure to plug in the show notes. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about then how you got involved with domestic violence training. Uh, So you had mentioned that you had thought maybe you'd be an educator. Um, Ultimately, you sort of have taken this on as an educator of sorts. Uh, Talk to us about sort of how you came to to sort of bring this into what it is that you do day in, day out. Well, and that is a... I know, let me recognize, first of all, that this is a heavy conversation. Heavy. I know that um, a big part of my passion around domestic violence is because I'm a survivor. Mm. And I actually was quite integrated with my abuser. I was mm. 
working with him. Uh, he's the father of my firstborn child. And I have personal experience around domestic violence because of that part of my story. Mm. I, of course, have been in the industry since 94. And so as a beauty professional, I have that sort of experience that I also kind of bring to the topic. And so the kind of coupling of professional and personal is where I ended up, where I am around Sheer Haven, around the education that we are now offering. And I know a lot of people can relate to that part as a survivor. I know that since we launched the online training back in 2017, that I've received messages worldwide from people who have connected with it on a personal level. We know statistically that one in four women, at least possibly more than one in four, and at least one in seven men will experience domestic abuse. And so anytime you have an audience of at least four people, you know that likely there is going to be someone in the room that connects to that on a personal level. Well, thank you so much, firstly, for for sharing your experience. Um, I think, unfortunately, as we just established with those statistics, it is tragically common, all too common. Um, and particularly within the salon professional industry, pros are seeing signs of abuse constantly. Um, certainly, there's been lots of talk of trafficking um, and what to do, uh, but there's so much to be done, uh, which leads us really beautifully into Sheer Haven. So if you wouldn't mind, how did you get started co-founding this organization? How, where did you even begin? Um, and sort of what have you been up to? Um, we certainly know, but we want our audience to hear about this. Um, and from no better than you, I mean, you've done the, the work again, day in, day out. Please just share everything with us. I would love to share everything. I heard about it initially when there was a law passed in Illinois. I heard about the concept of domestic violence training for beauty professionals. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it really, it gave me chills. I knew this was something that was number one, brilliant. I knew that it was such an obvious connection as far as beauty industry mm -hmm. professionals and this issue. I knew as a survivor how isolating it is to be in an abusive relationship. I knew as a survivor how difficult it is to find the resources that you need. And I also knew how important education was because it wasn't until someone stopped me and said, you are not just in a bad relationship, this is abuse, that I had that kind of light bulb moment or that aha moment for myself. And so when I heard about this initiative or this education that had been started, I knew statistically how important it was in our state. At the time, Tennessee was in the top 10 in the nation at the rate that women are killed by men. And I knew that half of all calls to uh, law enforcement here in Tennessee are domestic violence related, which really to just pause on that is staggering. <laughs> to just think of how many people, and a lot of people never call law enforcement. Yeah, this is a lot the, of people yep. don't want to ever pull in law enforcement. They share if they're comfortable sharing with people that they trust. And that's where beauty professionals come in. That's where we know how 
special and how intimate that relationship is with our clients. We hear everything. We have this window into all of the beautiful things that happen in people's lives. You know, there's, I know all of us can relate to being the first one to know that someone is pregnant or the first one to know that someone has fallen in love and, you know, is in a relationship with someone new. But we also have that kind of bird's eye view to being the person that might be tuned in or know when something just isn't quite right. And sometimes it's not even something that someone says, it's what they're not saying, or just that intuitive nudge that something isn't quite right. And so I, all of that being said, had this moment of, we have to have this. And I knew that the YWCA here in Tennessee was one of the biggest providers of domestic violence resources in our community. And they offer amazing education. And so I just started making phone calls and connected with someone at the Y that said, we have also heard about this law and we also would love to start this initiative in our community. And we need you. We need a beauty professional that can connect with other industry professionals in a different way than we can. They can kind of bring that insight into what are the salon specific signs? Why do we need to be that person in this industry? And so the combination between us, we got together domestic violence resources and created this education and started just going door by door to salons and offering in-person trainings. So talk to us about that experience of, of literally going door to door. I mean, all across the state, uh, which is no small feat. I mean, Tennessee is not a teeny tiny place as we, maybe people don't know. It is a big state. Um, and certainly there's lots of rural pockets. Uh, talk to us about that experience of going. Um, how was the program and initiative received? Um, we'll get further down the line in terms of the work that you guys did in terms of lobbying to pass some incredible legislation, which is a model for the nation. But before we get there, just the the initial reaching out to the community, what was that like? Well, I've been in the beauty world since 1994 and have so many wonderful friends in the industry that have gone on to open their own salons or that are stylists in salons, estheticians in salons that were gracious enough to just trust me enough to open their doors. And so... I have several friends that ended up actually being ones that said, we want to make this a mandatory part of our curriculum. You know, if someone works here, they have to go through this training. And we very quickly knew that it was receiving such positive feedback and such really touching feedback from people that said they had seen signs before and just didn't know what to do with it or they had worked with someone that they didn't know how to respond to. It's something that touches people no matter where they are, no matter who they are. It affects people across all demographics. We know all socioeconomic groups. It resonated with people on a level that very quickly told us that this was something that we could not physically continue to offer door to door. It was something big enough that it needed to be a mandatory requirement for all beauty professionals. And so that was where we kind of got to this impasse of, I was doing it on a volunteer level 
on my days off. I was doing it, of course, while also working in the salon and behind the chair. Which isn't sustainable. (laughs) Which, no, I knew that I just could not spread it to the level and that we could not offer it to the level that we needed to by doing it the way we were. Now, I had no idea what that meant as far as expanding it, but it really was one foot in front of the other. We spread it as much as we could, especially around Nashville, and would go into individual salons. Sometimes people would gather as multi-salon groups, and we would offer it to more people. And it was a wonderful experience because it was an in-person collaboration between the people that were providing the education, myself and the educator, as well as the people in the room that had really incredible questions and personal experiences to share. And that was when we really just had that recognition, that moment where we knew this needs to be bigger. So how did you go about making it bigger? I mean, again, we know in the end, legislation's been passed, which is incredible. Um, but getting to the point of the bill being drafted, the lobbying process, folks actually voting, um, what what were those steps like? And, and where did you find the time to get this going when, as we established, you were doing so much of it by yourself while also working behind the chair? Well, I... To give complete props to the YWCA, Mm -hmm. they have an incredible advocacy team and I could not have gotten anything done. I didn't get anything done by myself. It was a team effort for sure. But I don't think I knew exactly what that process was going to be until we got into it. Mm -hmm. But I approached my local lawmaker, Sam Whitson, Representative Whitson, and said, this is something, this is an idea that I have. This is the education we've been providing to the community. He knew and recognized how big a crisis domestic violence was. And this was at the beginning of 2020 when pre-COVID, it's gotten even bigger since COVID. Yep. Yep. Unfortunately. Yep. Unfortunately. But he immediately said, yes, let's, let's start working on this. And it was the beginning of session. We started in January I met personally with a lot of the lawmakers on various committees and um, along with the support of the advocacy committee, we kind of went through committee by committee. I did some testifying, which was not comfortable, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but went in and just presented my story and my personal experience. This is how we connect in our industry. A lot of people ask the question, why, why stylist, why barbers? Mm -hmm. Why not attorneys? Why not plumbers? Why not other? <laughs> no, valid. And very valid. And yet a lot of people said, oh, I know how this works. My wife or I know the relationship I have with my stylist. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that I've seen my, sty- my you know, stylist for 30 years. I know that they know everything. And so we had a lot more... Um, cooperation than I honestly even expected to have. We're a very conservative state that doesn't like regulations. Nope. It's the first and only requirement for stylists or barbers or estheticians, nail techs to receive in order to get their license renewed. (laughs) And so it wasn't something that they initially embraced. They're trying to deregulate our industry. And so 
I knew that we had a big hill to climb, a big hurdle to climb in order to get to the other side of it. But we worked in collaboration with the state board who were amazing and very helpful. So the legislation that we have, I think really is model legislation because we worked with such deep collaboration with all of the people involved. All of the stakeholders, yep. We really thought through every single aspect of what does this look like on a practical level? So when COVID hit, it stopped all of it completely. Mm-hmm. Of course, understandably, they stopped working on any legislation that wasn't budget related or COVID related. Yep. And it was very disappointing at the time. I was so bummed because we had made such great progress. But the one detail that we had kept hearing over and over again was that they wanted it to be virtual and they wanted it to be free. And those two details were details that we couldn't quite wrap our heads around. Mm-hmm. We just didn't know exactly what that would look like or how that would happen because it was pre-Zoom. It was pre-pandemic. And so, of course, we know exactly how to do that now. now. Yep. We didn't know how to do that. And so during the lockdown, when all of us were just trying to sort through what we were doing in the middle of a global pandemic as mm-hmm. we professionals that couldn't do what we do. Yep. I was plugged in because of my legislative work into Governor Lee's economic recovery group. Mm-hmm. And it was the group that was working to create reopening guidelines for all industries. I was on the uh, subcommittee that was working with direct contact and that's where I met the amazing Leslie Rosti. And she, of course, everyone listening knows Leslie Rosti. Yep. She's been a guest on the podcast. We love her and love oh, her work. So we're amazing. thrilled about this synergy. Keep going, please. Yes. So she was the one, of course, that gave us all of the how to do this. How do we reopen? We already know all of the information because we're licensed beauty professionals that know about disinfection, mm-hmm. but they gave us the refresher. And I know that they were absolutely inundated and they had just scaled their website to offer online education. I believe it was the month before COVID hit. And so having that sort of online tool was number one, what got all of us through to the other side. And number two, it was the little seed that was planted in my brain about how we might be able to offer this education in the way that lawmakers needed us to, to possibly get this law passed. And as we were leading up to COVID, we had basically reduced the amount of people that were going to be required to take the training to just cosmetology students, because we knew that we could offer it to them. We didn't know how we could offer it to all licensed beauty professionals. And so it was not an immediate light bulb, but after meeting Leslie, after taking their COVID training and their disinfectant 101 training and getting certified, it just hit me that possibly we could find a uh, collaborative partner like Barbicide to team up with. And I asked her, you know, is this something that you guys might be open to? And she immediately was amazing. She said, yes, of course. 
we would love to be able to offer this. The only caveat is it cannot just be Tennessee specific. It needs to offer resources for anyone, no matter where in the country they are or globally where they are. It needs to be not a Tennessee training and it can never cost money. We want it to always be free, which was exactly what we wanted and it's exactly what we needed. And so it really was that online collaboration, that tool that allowed us to offer this 20 minute training for free to anyone in the world that ultimately got us to the other side, the finish line with the legislative effort. Incredible. Uh, So if you wouldn't mind, tell us what the legislation entails. Uh, What does it mandate for folks within the state of Tennessee? Um, And then let's talk about where everyone can access this training, because this is, you know, key, we think, um, on the the volume of podcast for, for all of our listeners that you be able to access this as well. Absolutely. So the law in Tennessee requires up to an hour of domestic violence 101 education. It needs to be a recognized domestic violence education provider, and it does not make anyone a mandatory reporter. That is a very important um, key point because a lot of people hear about this education or about this new law, and they immediately jump to, oh, no, we're going to insert ourselves in a way that's going to get us hurt. Mm -hmm. All we are doing is putting resources in hands. We provide printable resources that people can put in their changing area. They can put it in their bathroom that has the signs of domestic abuse, not just the physical signs. Everyone recognizes the abuse signs that are in the movie or on the TV show. It's about the cycle of power and control. And so it helps to illuminate just what is domestic abuse Here's the number to the hotline. Here's the number to the resource. And it's that simple. Here's how to be that ear. Here's how to be that friend. Here's how to do exactly what we know how to do. But to have the awareness and the sensitivity to exactly what it is and how not to respond as much as how to respond. A lot of people think that they're doing the right thing by jumping in and giving opinions in certain situations that actually could be the thing that puts someone in harm's way. And so where can folks that are not within the state of Tennessee find some of these materials? So the education is on Barbicide's website. It's called Mm -hmm. Sheer Haven. And if you search Sheer Haven, I know you'll have a link in your page. Show notes. Yep. 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 Yes. Uh, but I will say if you just search Shearhaven Barbicide, you'll find the training. It is geared towards us behind the chair, but it is applicable to anyone. It's something that I've had many non-beauty friends take it and say that it was very insightful. I think a lot of people just don't have real education around what domestic violence is mm-hmm. or how to respond to it. And so my hope is that by opening up this conversation, by getting resources in people's hands, that we're able to save lives, mm-hmm. even by reducing stigma around it. Because Absolutely. people have so much shame and so much 
fear around how to even open up that conversation. Mm -hmm. It can be as simple as I took this training last week and I found it really interesting. You know, it's a conversation starter. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it'll give really practical details, but it, it also might give the space for people to just talk about it and just be there for other people in that way. Which is incredibly important, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, one in four women, one in seven men, um, we ought to be having these conversations. Um, it's a comment upon all of us, really. Uh, so tell me, how did it feel when it passed? I mean, like all of this work in oh your gosh. state, knocking door to door, going in, working with Barbicide, working with the YWCA, it finally passes. Again, as you said, uphill battle. It's a conservative state. They don't want to regulate, but they did it. They did Talk to it. us about that. Oh. I was overwhelmed, just completely overwhelmed. It passed with almost, un well, with unanimous support in the Senate. It passed with almost unanimous support in the House. And I was blown away. I was emotional about it. I was incredibly proud of lawmakers for taking a step towards positive action around something that clearly is such a big issue. We clearly need to do something different. Obviously what we've been doing. Yep. And yeah, I mean, they have done wonderful work around it, but there's so much more to do. And education for me was such a key component in my own journey, getting to safety. And so after being told by my therapist that it was an abusive relationship, it opened my eyes and shifted everything for me. I went home and just pulled up and did a search of the signs of domestic abuse. And it was like, check, 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 you know, every single one of them. And it was such a confusing place to be in for my, my own journey I didn't recognize what I was in. I thought that I was in a relationship that if I just did A, B, and C, I could help us get to the other side mm -hmm. and, and change it. And it was not a relationship that was going to change that way. So a lot of it for me was so much just the eye-opening, not just, I don't like you with him, not just, you know, this isn't a great relationship, but this is abuse. That was so powerful for me. So my hope is that, and you know, the feedback we've received since people have been taking it is, I wish there was this resource for me when I was in an abusive relationship, or I wish my stylist had known what to look for because they knew everything about us. <laughs> or I have friends or I have sisters or parents who need these resources. So I really think that it will... Um, be helpful to many people the more that they just know how to be a friend in that way. Certainly. And that's partially why we were very, very, very excited to have you on the podcast so that we can make everyone aware of these resources that are available to them because yeah, maybe they just didn't know where to go and now they do. Uh, so again, we're going to be plugging everything in the show notes. Please, please, please check the links. Um, we invite you to do that. Um, Suzanne, what's next for Sheer Haven? I mean, you've passed legislation in Tennessee, which is huge and to be, you know, commended. I'm sure you've got other, your sights on other things. So we'd love to hear about it on the podcast. <laughs> so many other things. <laughs> we are working collaboratively with 
MTSU, which is here in Tennessee, they're working with the foreign language department to get it translated into Spanish, which I'm so excited about. Bueno, pues vámonos, eh? Let's make it happen. I'm excited. And we are also going to offer that on Barbicide's website. So as soon as it's completed, we will have it with subtitles and it'll be um, dubbed as well. So it'll be in Spanish. I would love to also get it translated into other languages. So Mm -hmm. if anyone listening has the most fabulous Vietnamese translator or any other languages that we need to be able to offer, we would love to um, be able to do this for anyone who needs it. That's a perfect segue. How can people get in touch with you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, I've had many people reach out to me just Mm -hmm. through Instagram, through Messenger. Um, We can also be contacted through the YWCA. So if someone searches YWCA Nashville and Middle Tennessee, they will find contact information for them as well. So um, that is a great question. And we also, the one that I'm most excited about is we are about to start working on a barber specific training. So we have an opportunity here in Tennessee and hopefully I've had conversations with people in other states that are also very excited about passing similar legislation. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to be able to offer resources to men and open up the conversation with men in a different way. And that's something that the YWCA is also very passionate about. I think that the real change maker will be recognizing that abusers are not born abusive largely. Most abusers are the people that experienced abuse themselves. And there's a lot of people that may find themselves in that situation that they swore they would never be in that have a deep desire to change that Mm -hmm. before they get to the point of escalating. Exactly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And being able to offer those resources to men and women that might need it, being able to shift the conversation where much like we've largely done around um, like the topic of racism. Mm -hmm. It is not socially acceptable largely to be in a room and make a comment that is racist. People are like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. We need to shift masculinity and conversations around how people even uh, the socially acceptable, like how to treat women, Mm -hmm. how to treat other men. It's not okay to be, to be that person. And so the more we can offer these resources and have these conversations, the less likely we will be as a society and as a community to have that be acceptable. So we are um, working on that. And that is my most excited new project, most exciting uh-huh. new project. That's the one that I'm overjoyed about. But there's so many wonderful things that just keep evolving and I'm open to where it goes. There's a lot of really interesting opportunities around this topic. So um, onward and upward. 
Onward and upward is right. We're going to be checking back in with you. Uh, if anybody is going to be making a, an inroad in in this area, specifically with, with men and with barbers, we know that it's going to be you guys at, at Sheerhaven. So best of luck to you. We'll be touching base with you shortly because I know that it's not Thank going to take you. too long for you guys to get it together. All right. Before we wrap, Suzanne, we're going to do our quick takes. Um, we've loved chatting about all things Sheerhaven and the important work that you guys are doing, but we want to get to know you a little bit better before we depart um, so first question that we've got is what is a quote that you love? Oh my goodness. I'm a quotes girl. So I've got all the quotes. I think my favorite quote would be around kindness. And I'm going to have to remember, I may even have to have a cheat sheet here about what <laughs> it is. Uh, yes. Three things in human life are important. The first is to be kind the second is to be kind. And the third is to be kind. Henry James. We love that. Um, and an an important reminder for everybody. Um, this actually comes up a lot on our podcast, which we love. Um, what is the last Google search that you've made? (laughs) The last Google search that I've made, I'm certain would be around air fryer recipes. 1,000%. I don't know if anyone else has gotten as many appliances as my household have, but Mm. Mm. um, my most significant new appliance would be the air fryer. And so, and I just got it quite recently. So my husband and I are all about trying to figure out how to use it. (sighs) That's amazing. Feel free to send it on (laughs) You heard it here, guys. If you want to get in touch with Suzanne and just let her know where are the recipes for the air fryer. I love that. Uh, you have mentioned it yourself. You've been in the beauty industry for a minute. Um, what is the cringiest trend that you've tried? Oh, my goodness. This I've been favorite. in the beauty industry for a long time. So you can only imagine all of the... I've had a lot of cringy moments. Mm. I would say my cringiest would be the Batman bangs that I was given at a hair show. Yes, I had Batman bangs, bangs that actually went to a point Uh in the middle. Uh And my hair was likely some shade of maroon. Mm. It was not attractive. Mm. It was real bad. I don't even think there's evidence of it but it was maybe for the best maybe for the best as, as you're describing it um we've all been there so you know take solace in that uh, maybe not with the batman bags but we've had the cringy moments all of us uh what animal are you most like oh well my daughter and i are both really obsessed with the nashville zoo mm-hmm. big big animal fans and she has actually told me that i am really like a red panda, which I don't know if I agree with that. I'll have to think about what my actual spirit animal would be, but she thinks that I'm like a red panda because my dietary choices are exactly like them. So she read on a plaque somewhere that they like, uh, basically they're pescatarians. And so she's like, you're a red panda mom. Now I don't hang out in trees quite as much as they do, but they are really cute. I'll take it as a compliment. I think you should. Have you seen, have you seen how old is, if your daughter is in the the age range of my daughter, she's four, very into 
the turning red Disney plus movie that's just come out where the girl turns into a red panda upon puberty. Incredible movie. So (laughs) I feel like red pandas are like trending right now. You should embrace it. We all love a red panda. Yes. And my daughter is eight and she is very obsessed with red pandas. So I bet that's exactly where it came from. (laughs) We'll take it. We we love that for you, sis. Honestly. Uh, What is one product that you cannot live without? Hair product, beauty product, whatever it is. We're all beauty junkies. We love products here. So enlighten our audience, if you would. Well, I mean, I would not be alone in saying that my number one used product over the last two years was Barbicide to just bring all things back to Barbicide. I have used Barbicide for absolutely everything from my kitchen to my salon to all things. Um, So most used would probably be that. Um, I'm also a big fan of my favorite scrub that I get at Trader Joe's of all places. I've got all the most expensive, fabulous products in the world, uh-huh. but Trader, Trader Joe's, Joe's that does it. Good body scrub. We love that. And I mean, we've written about our, our Trader Joe's stuff before on the, the, the tease.com. So no stranger to that beauty aisle, that teeny tiny for space. Sure. Uh, that's amazing. All right. Last question that we've got for you. Um, what is some advice that you've got for those that want to get to the top of our industry, but it could be any industry. What's some general advice that you've got for our listeners? Uh, Well, I feel like the last, all of us right now have extra super duper training because of what we have just lived through. Mm -hmm. We are survivors of a global pandemic. And so I think that the ability that all of us have to be pivoters and to be open and hopefully a smidge more gracious than we would have been at the beginning of it. Those are all skills that along with all that we know how to do just as professionals is extra special. I think that especially for young people that are just getting into the industry, mm-hmm. that having the ability to go with the flow and navigate and shift gears and know that things in life can throw us off kilter on a dime multiple times, possibly, you know, just when we think we're on the other side, it's like, nope, we're not, we're, we're, we're not. <laughs> yeah. so, I think that really those life skills will be the game changer for this entire, for all of us, hopefully. Important. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, oh, thank you so much for your time. This was such a pleasure. Uh, we really, really genuinely enjoyed our time together here. Uh, just for the the last, the sake of saying it, where can people find you? Where can they find out more about Sheer Haven? Let's plug everything. And we will, as we've said, include everything in the show notes as well. Um, well, people can find me on Instagram. They can find Sheer Haven on um Instagram as well. If you just search Barbicide, you can find the link to the training either through my site or theirs, or of course the YWCA here in Nashville, Middle Tennessee. And I would love to just encourage people after they get their certification to please share it on Mm -hmm. social media, Mm -hmm. share your certificate, because that is how we've been able to reach people. It's no charge. It's a quick 20 minute training. And it is something that will hopefully give you resources to save someone's life. Incredible. Well, thank you again, Suzanne. This was a pleasure. 
Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Oh, such an important interview. I'm glad that we were able to have her on to talk with us. Um, and I know that our listeners really care about this, uh, certainly near and dear to us on the podcast. If you were inspired by Suzanne to take action, you can go ahead and do so right this very second. In the show notes, we've got a mess of links and resources for you. Um, but I did just want to plug something that everyone can do at home. Uh, she talked about how Barbicide had really been supporting her. Uh, so go to barbicide.com backslash Sheerhaven Domestic Violence Training, and you can fill out the entire training uh, right there on your computer, on your mobile, wherever you're accessing. It takes hours max. Um, and then you can share your certification with everybody. So you can tag Barbicide, uh, Suzanne, and everybody over at Barbicide Blue to help spread awareness uh, for this very important resource that is available to literally everybody for free. Uh, which we love to see. So thank you again to Suzanne for being on the podcast uh, and let us know what you guys think. Be sure to hit subscribe, rate, and review. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Read the Tease. And send us your questions at volumeup at thetease.com. Volume Up is a Tease Media production. This episode was produced by Monica Hickey and Madeline Hickey. Brian Daly is our editor and audio engineer. Thank you to our creative team for putting together the graphics for this episode. And thank you to Brittany for joining. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is fun.